Section seven of Ontario Public School Geography. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Ontario Public School Geography by the Educational Book Company of Toronto. Section seven. Introductory. The Earth as a Whole. Shape. The Earth is a huge sphere. If we could view it from high up in the sky, it would appear circular, like the sun or the full moon. As we can see only a very small portion of its surface when we are standing on it, it seems flat to us. Yet we know for certain that it is round. Men have travelled right around it. Sometimes the earth comes between the sun and the moon. Then it casts a shadow on the moon, exactly as your body casts a shadow on the ground. The edge of the earth's shadow is always circular. When a ship puts out to sea, the hull is the first part of it to disappear. The top of the masts or the funnels and the trail of smoke can be seen long after the hull is hidden. Give the reason for this. Size Have you noticed the little rough spots on the skin of an orange? They are very small in comparison with the size of the whole orange. The loftiest mountains on the surface of the earth are much smaller when compared with the whole sphere than are the little rough spots when compared with the size of the orange. Have you ever travelled one hundred miles by train? It takes two or three hours, and you pass through a great deal of country in that time. Can you imagine travelling in a fast train, day and night, without a stop for three weeks? Your train would need at least twenty whole days to complete a journey round the world if such a journey were possible. The train would cover twenty-five thousand miles during the trip. That is the length of the circumference of the earth, or the distance around it. Surface. The surface of the earth is partly land and partly water. Of course there is land underneath all the water, no matter how deep the water may be. Land underlies the great oceans, which in some places are more than five miles deep just as it underlies the smallest stream or pond. By far the greater part of the globe is covered with water. In fact, only about one quarter of its surface is dry land. The Pacific Ocean alone is considerably larger in area than all the land in the world. The land which forms part of the Earth's surface is not in a single large block. It is divided by the oceans into two great masses. One of these masses is formed by the two continents of North America and South America. These continents are called the New World because they became known to our forefathers only a few hundred years ago. The other contains the three continents of Europe, Asia and Africa. They are often called the Old World. Since Europe and Asia, as you will see from your school globe, form really a continuous land mass, these two continents are often considered as one, under the name Eurasia. Besides these two huge masses of land, there is the comparatively small continent of Australia, lying far to the southeast of Asia. It is entirely separated by the ocean from all the other continents. Its existence was unknown to Europeans until 1606, 114 years after the discovery of America. These continents, however, do not contain all the land in the world, even if we include in them the islands that lie close to their shores. There is another great mass of land far to the south. 
It is called the Antarctic continent. We know very little about it, for it is covered deep with ice and snow. On that account it is as yet quite useless to man. Then, too, there are in the oceans thousands of islands which are so far from any of the continents that they cannot be considered part of them. They range in size from tiny islets, too small to be shown upon a map, to large islands like New Zealand. Their combined area, however, is much less than that of Australia, the smallest of the continents. The oceans are not entirely separated from one another. They are all connected, so that it is possible for a ship to reach any seaport in the world by passing, if necessary, from ocean to ocean. Find the Arctic Ocean on the globe. Its shores are formed by the northern coasts of Asia, Europe, and North America. Between Asia and North America is a narrow strait called Bering Strait, which connects the Arctic and Pacific Oceans. The much wider gap between Europe and North America connects the Arctic Ocean with the Atlantic Ocean. This gap is broken by the large island of Greenland, lying close to the coast of North America, and by the smaller island of Iceland, further to the east. The west coast of the American continents forms the eastern shore of the Pacific Ocean. The east coasts of Asia and Australia are its western limits. The southern Pacific is studded with thousands of beautiful islands. The Atlantic Ocean extends southward from the Arctic Ocean between the east coasts of the American continents and the west coasts of Europe and Africa. It is much smaller than the Great Pacific. Since, however, it lies between the continents of North America and Europe, in which live the most highly civilized nations of the world, the volume of traffic across it is enormous. The Indian Ocean lies in the basin formed by Africa on the west, Asia on the north, and Australia on the east. South of Africa, Australia, and South America, there is no dividing line between the oceans. A ship can sail right around the world to the south of these continents without meeting land at all. The most southerly parts of the Pacific, Atlantic, and Indian Oceans form the Antarctic Ocean. It surrounds the unknown Antarctic continent. No one knows how much of this area is land and how much is water. The thick ice covers all the land and extends over part of the water. Its edge forms a steep cliff of ice, sometimes hundreds of feet high. It is very difficult to find a place in this cliff where it is possible to make a landing. Rotation, Axis, Poles, Equator The school globe is a good model of the Earth on a small scale. Have you noticed that it turns or rotates on a wire? The Earth also rotates. Of course, there is no central wire running through the Earth. We think of it, however, as turning about a line running through it. This imaginary line is called the axis of the Earth. The central wire of the school globe comes through the surface at two places. So, too, we imagine the Earth's axis as reaching the surface at two places. These points are called the poles of the Earth. Do you remember the bright star which guides the Indians by night? The North Star, or Pole Star, as it is also called, is always directly over the North Pole. The South Pole is the one at the opposite side of the Earth. Now we can add a little to our knowledge of directions. When we speak of a man going north, we mean that he is moving directly towards the North Pole, no matter where he happens to be on the Earth's surface. In the same way, south means towards the South Pole. Suppose a man at the North Pole wished to reach the South Pole. He could set out facing any way he liked. As long as he kept straight on, he would be moving south. 
what is the only direction in which a man can look when he is standing at the south pole suppose a traveller from the north pole has begun his journey sooner or later he must reach a point halfway between the two poles he is then standing on the equator we think of a line joining all the places in the world which are equally distant from the two poles and call it the equator can you find on the school globe the line marking the equator this line cuts through the centre of the hot country of the negroes in africa the equator is an east and west line if our traveller turns so that the north pole is to his left he is facing east if he turns so that the north pole is to his right he is turning west now tell in what directions run all the lines joining the two poles in what directions run all the lines parallel to the equator the hemispheres the line of the equator cuts the surface of the globe into two equal parts these are called hemispheres the northern hemisphere is the half of the world lying between the equator and the north pole the southern hemisphere lies between the equator and the south pole most of the land in the world lies in the northern hemisphere look at the top of the globe you can see north america europe and asia all stretching southward if you look at the southern hemisphere you can see nothing but water except the tips of the continents of africa and south america all australia and a few islands consequently the northern hemisphere is often called the land hemisphere and the southern hemisphere the water hemisphere we may also divide the earth into hemispheres by a circle around it through the poles the hemisphere which contains the continents of north and south america is called the western hemisphere the other half is called the eastern hemisphere latitude and longitude if we wish to locate a man's farm we can say that it is so many miles east or west or north or south of a certain city or town location is always a matter of comparison with some place whose situation we know in the same way places on the earth's surface are located by comparison with certain fixed points north and south locations are made by comparison with the position of the equator distance from the equator is called latitude this distance however is not usually expressed in miles the term degree is used a degree is the three hundred and sixtieth part of the circumference of a circle the circumference of the earth is about twenty five thousand miles therefore a degree of latitude is about sixty nine miles in length instead of writing the word degrees we generally use the symbol a circle superscript in its place we read sixty with a circle superscript as though it were written sixty degrees how would you read seventy with a circle superscript thirty-five and a half with a circle superscript all places north of the equator are said to be in north latitude all places south of the equator are in south latitude since the distance from the equator to either pole is one quarter of the circumference of the earth there are ninety degrees of north latitude and ninety degrees of south latitude these are numbered from zero degrees at the equator to ninety degrees at the poles the globe and all maps of countries show lines indicating latitude these lines are called parallels of latitude since they are all parallel to the equator but to define the position of a place on the earth's surface we must know not only the parallel of latitude on which it lies but also its position on that parallel this is done by means of meridians of longitude these are lines running directly north and south from pole to pole 
a degree of longitude is one over three hundred and sixty of the distance around the earth on any parallel of latitude at the equator the distance between two meridians one degree apart is one over three hundred and sixty of twenty five thousand miles the distance represented by one degree of longitude becomes less and less as the poles are approached until at last all the meridians meet at the poles for this reason we cannot find so easily the distance in miles which is represented by a degree of longitude it varies from about sixty-nine miles at the equator nothing at the poles the meridian which passes through greenwich in england is chosen as the one by comparison with which all the others are fixed the first meridian or prime meridian as it is called is numbered zero degrees all places east of this are in east longitude until at the meridian of one hundred and eighty degrees the opposite side of the earth is reached all west of the prime meridian as far as the meridian of one hundred eighty degrees are in west longitude by the use of these two sets of circles upon the globe and maps it is possible with little trouble to locate any spot on the earth's surface End of section seven